Hello, this is Gerd Leonhard and welcome to my podcast. I'm making a new movie called The Good Future. I went to beautiful Lanzarote that you can see here behind me. Uh, and we shot some pretty amazing stuff there. And the movie is all about trying to understand what good is, what a good future would mean, and how we would get there. And so I figured I should share a couple of ideas from the movie here in this slideshow. And let's start with this one thing that's quite obvious um, when you look around us that, you know, we're making exponential progress in so many ways. Technology is leaping. Moore's law, Metcalfe's law, Keck's law, Wright's law. Yeah, it's leaping. It's going 4, 8, 16, 32. And we're at 4. We're at the knee of that curve. You know, we are essentially at the point where science fiction is becoming science fact. Think about, for example, the vaccine. In 12 months, we've got several vaccines. Think about the switch to renewable energy, which is imminent. Think about all that stuff that was essentially unthinkable, like speaking to computers and having music in the cloud. We are leaping. And you ain't seen nothing yet because now we're le leaping in a serious way. To leap from 2 to 4 is pretty far, but 4, 8, 16 and so on, it's fundamental. Right? 30 times from here, I get across the street if I go linearly out the door across the street. If I go exponentially, right, 30 steps, it's 26 times around the world. And this is what's happening. Our kids will live, live in a world that is so fundamentally different than anything that we've known. Now, 10 years ago, the world was different, but not that much different. But in 10 years, the world is going to be fundamentally different in a leaping kind of way. 256 from today, that's 300x almost. Think about what that would mean for connectivity, for poverty, for food, for dem democracy, for all the stuff around us. So as we're going into that future, clearly we are in a place to where everything around us is getting smart, right? Everything is connected. Uh, everything is getting uh, hyper-driven by, by, the, by the sort of smart conversion of digital transformation. Except for us, you know, we're still human, we're still limited to human capacity. Our laws are, you know, 50 years old in many ways. I think E.O. Wilson said that the problem of humanity is that we have Paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. That is so true. And if we're going to transform the world with, with uh, technology, which is happening to the tune of tens of trillions of dollars all, all around us in the next decade, whether it's agriculture or transportation or money or right, going digital, then we also have to think about what we want from it. And we also have to think about who can have access to it. We have to have diversity and equality pretty much across the board, like what's happening right now with the vaccine has been an amazing amount of action and, and, and solution-making and collaboration. But now we're not giving the vaccine to the countries that really need it because they don't pay. And we have to change that. Right? This is the thinking of technology makes it possible, but we're still in the old decision-making paradigm. That needs to change. And imagine we're going in the future of digital healthcare, where our DNA, biome, and phenotype, and all that stuff goes into the cloud to be able to really take care of us before we get sick, right? True healthcare, not sick care. Imagine that happening and not being safe and secure and human-focused and having real liability and accountability. That is not going to be any good news. Good news is we can do this right? and totally will solve so many things like making healthcare cheaper. The bad news is do we, are we, do we know how to regulate it? Do we know how to trust companies with our information? Do we have a framework? And this is so crucial. The good future means that we have that framework of guiding technology to human purpose and, of course, planetary purpose as well. People, planet, 
purpose and prosperity. I'll talk about it a little bit more later. But you know, now we're living in a, in a reality where technology is kind of framing our lives. And this is not necessarily a bad thing, you know, when it's balanced with other things, but living in a world like this where technology tells us what we can and what we cannot do, and now you're seeing uh, human resources uh, enterprises uh, recommending that we scan people's faces for the interview uh, in order to get a job. I mean, is that going to be what we want? Do we want people that are looking good to the face recognition software or do we want real humans? Or both, of course. <laughs> I mean, framing us with technology can be okay when it's about Google Maps, but is it about ancestry or a biome or artificial intelligence or job qualifications or virtuality? We got to think about that. Right? The good future is going to be to regulate wisely, to be proactive and precautionary, to put those two things together and create a scenario where it's going to be to our benefit. A scenario where clearly we are kind of mutating now into a, a species that uses technology everywhere. And again, that's kind of okay, but up to a certain point, and then we're saying, okay, we're going to use virtual reality to connect to the internet at all times and then we're going to plug in our brain and have a brain-computer interface, as Elon Musk is suggesting. I think at a certain point that is not such a good thing. It's too much of a good thing, you know, when we cannot exist without it anymore. I mean, we kind of have that with a mobile phone, but yes, when it's down, I'm still okay. I can still function. <laughs> I can still get out of bed. But an uh, environment where I'm forced to be in virtual reality to work, to be more efficient, where, where I must have the brain-computer interface, that is black mirror scenario here, right? And that's not impossible. So we've got to think about the good future as encompassing the benefits of technology, but dialing back on the externalities and taking care of the externalities. You know, this is a, one of the big issues about governance that, you know, in many ways, externalities were outside of the business plan, like they were in oil and gas companies. And now we're dealing, the public has to pick up the slack, right? This can't be true for technology, it can't be true for sustainability, it can't be true for energy or healthcare. We have to bring uh, the externalities into the business model, right? um, especially when it's about things like that impacts how we decide, like artificial intelligence or intelligent assistance, IA, as I like to call it, beaming down advice to us. On the trivial level, that's okay, but imagine on the level of 0 0.1 uh, on the exponential scale, that's still laughable and if it doesn't work, it's no big deal. But on the level of 4, 8, 16, 32, it's leaping, right? And could it run our lives inadvertently and we don't pay attention? Yeah, it could. And we become sort of the play ball, like, you know, we've become the, the toy of Zuckerberg you know, um, that he milks the data from. And in many ways, you could say, we can fix that. Yes, we can, but we have, to, we have to understand what we want. So the good future is not going to be to give into technology just because it exists or just because it makes lots of money or just because, you know, other people are doing it or just because, you know, we can't stop it. We got to think about what we want, right? The real question about the future is not what we can have, but what we want. Right? And for example, this idea of wanting technology to help us and to advise us, that's a good idea. But when we get into the filter and we become manipulative and we don't understand what else is going on, and we don't pay attention to each other anymore. We have more relationships with the screen than we have with real people. You know, that, that is dominance. And, and this needs to be looked at when we're thinking about the good future because it's about the balance. It's not, not about throwing out the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> it's about finding a way to combine those two things as the future certainly will have that temptation for us that technology is so 
fundamentally different right? and uh, giving us a, uh, a, a way of tuning out of what we need as humans. You know, technology, in many ways, you could say it's, it's not what we seek, but it's how we seek. It is something that we use as a tool, right? It's something that we use as a way of going forward to express ourselves, but not to take over. You know, Ariana, Ariana Huffington once said in the Huffington Post that technology is very good at giving us what we want, but not at giving us what we need. And what we need is, of course, beyond technology. It's happiness and self-realization, spirituality and connectedness and all that human things, you know. And technology doesn't do that. You know, we will not find happiness in an app, no matter what uh, Happy Fi tells you or Happy Fork or whatever these companies are doing that, that are going in this direction. So this is clearly going to be quite a struggle for us. Uh, it's going to be a struggle in, in so many ways, also because technology has become a kind of a religion. And uh, I'm not religious and, and I, I don't want to... Uh, address that topic from any different angle, but technology has become kind of like that's the church we pray to, right? And I think that needs to change in a way where we're saying, okay, technology is great, but let's let's put it into perspective as to what we want and how we want it, uh, and not get completely sucked into this. Like here, you have the sofalarity dude, that is the the uh, person that gets everything remotely and that lives in virtuality with it with their declining chair. You may have seen that on the wall E, the Pixar movie, very much the same de depiction. We could end up in a future like this where everything is brought to us and we're becoming sort of uh, shapeless creatures of technology. That is not a good future scenario and neither is this a scenario where technology is intermediating everything. I think a certain intermediation is okay, but at a certain point of not using our own brain and forgetting who we are and and this sort of cult of, of, of data, right? that is uh, not what I would see as a good future and the idea of having machines as friends and as, as uh, uh, substituting humans. That's all going a little bit too far in my view for a good future scenario. That reminds me of a future that would be highly profitable and make lots of money but also very unhappy. Um, and that's something we have to look at. Is that the future we want? I mean, should it be an aberration? Should it be normal? Should you have a robotic girlfriend or boyfriend? Is that okay? I mean, is that a good future? Is the future going to be this kind of division of, uh, you know, there's a logical part of our brain, which is in the internet, and then there's the other part. There's no such thing. The brain isn't left or right. We humans don't think with the brain only. We think with the body. We are much more holistic, linear, organic, in so many ways uh, than machines can ever dream of being. So this is something we have to be very careful of. Uh, also this kind of promise of technology giving us happiness kits so that we can just use that and actually not learn how to become happy or to remain happy or be happy uh, by ourselves, by, by using some sort of electronic interference like, like we did with drugs. Right? In many ways you could say that technology has become a drug and a religion. That's an interesting combination right there. The good future is about using that to a degree that facilitates us looking for happiness. The good future is about finding a basic coverage that makes us, uh, that enables us to pursue happiness. So the good future would be not being broke, not dying, not having family issues, not having civil rights issues. You know, the basic coverage of this would allow us to then go out and pursue this in our own way not in a technology kind of way, so technology takes over as the 
and purpose. Like, you know, we've seen in many films like Minority Report and others where we can, the concept of downloading superhumanity. So I download to be a helicopter pilot or to be a guitar player. No, that's not the way it works for humans, right? We don't download information. Right? We contemplate, we learn. This is a completely interactive exercise, a plastic exercise. It encompasses everything that we have. That's why education that's only online won't work. It will provide interesting information, but in the end we need to come together to actually figure out the meaning of it. This is what humans do. And then we have to, in the end, come together uh, to figure out the experiences, the relationships and what it all means, and not just download information, not think of the human as a machine like this. I mean, organisms are not algorithms. And if they are, maybe we'll find out in 50 days, uh, 50 years, <laughs> that this can somewhat, somehow be proven, right? But for the time being, we're far away from understanding how that organism works in so many ways. That's why we shouldn't uh, build machines that try to copy us. As Stuart Russell from UC Berkeley keeps saying, uh, artificial intelligence is not about consciousness, but about competence. We want those machines to be competent just to get the job done, yeah? to do our financial analysis, to drive a car, to look at my dental hygiene, to do whatever these machines can eventually do, which is a lot, right? but not to be conscious or to have human agency. That's our job. Right? It's our job to remain human. It's our job to stay apart from this data cult you know, that's been referred to as dataism, yeah? religion. Right? It's a kind of a, a communism of the mind, you know, where we think about data as being the only thing that matters. But even Jeff Bezos, who loves data, obviously, CEO of Amazon, said the other day that all of his important decisions in life were made with intuition and imagination, right? and, and ultimately not just with data. This is what humans do, and the good future will entail room for this, using lots of data for science and technology, and then rising on top of that. Uh, it's technology underneath humanity, not on top of humanity or burrowing humanity. In this constant uh, uh, confluence of humans and machines, we're going to need to figure out what the borders are. And we need social contracts for this, like we have borders for drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes. Uh, and we need laws and regulation, and we need international regulation when we think about the good future. For example, what is definitely not good Right? Definitely not good would be the idea of saying we're going to have drones with AI that swarm all over crisis territories and make their own decisions who to kill. That is a very bad idea. Right? And we're going to have geoengineering because, you know, we wanted in what's a place called in Saudi Arabia, Naom, the new cities on, on, on Naom, no, Naom, I think it's called. Yeah, we want to be able to have more rain there so we manipulate the environment. Not a good idea. Right? And Let's think about what that means for all of us and how we can bring humans and machines together in a meaningful way. We're going to need to agree. And I think the bottom line is I put out in my movie is that we can actually agree on what a good future is. We definitely agree what not a good future is, you know, starvation, poverty, uh, uh, no, having no rights, having no self-realization, being suppressed. And, you know, we know what those things are. And if we focus on the bottom line of what good is, we can agree on how we're going to get there step by step, just like we did with nuclear non-proliferation treaties, which was difficult, yes, but we did it. And also that was going to impact a lot what's happening with our workplace and our education. I mean, let's face it, the, right, right now it has been for years that technology has promised that we can work less, but it's never happened. Actually, I work more because of technology and now working from home, of course, all of us work more, really. But now technology is learning routines. Right? Computer, computers are no longer stupid. 
not that they can think or feel, right? but they're quite good at recognizing patterns and logic. Right? So very soon computers will take over our routine work. And that is, depending on your job, between 10 and 90% of your, of your work. And that enables us to do different things. Just like in agriculture, you know, we, we went to industrial agriculture and we went to new agriculture now with technology and enables us to do different things and be more productive and, and change jobs. You know, it used to be 90% of people work in agriculture, now it's 2%. Is everybody unemployment, unemployed? No. We're going to find a way forward with that routine. That is the good future of work. We may end up in a decade, I think, working only four or five hours a day, maybe only four days a week for the same money. If we are clever and smart about how we're going to regulate this, right, this is the key thing, we're not going to end up being useless humans. We're going to be plenty useful, but our routine will be useless because machines can do it. Machines can do the call center, machines can do the manufacturing, machines can do the agriculture, the vertical farming, the the uh, the lab-based the lab-based uh, meat and plant-based meat and manufactured in the lab and so on. All machines can do all of that, right? And we're going to be in a future where this pyramid of what we do is going to be good for us because we can move up from the simple data and information and intellectual knowledge that machines can somewhat uh, produce, right? Basic knowledge to a deeper knowledge, a tacit knowledge, understanding, wisdom, purpose, right? uh, all that stuff that's on the top of the pyramid. The future of work is, is for us to be more human. Right? In the future of work, machines will do the routines and then we can move up. So in that future, our ultimate destination is to be human. And that is very hopeful, I think, also because it allows us to create new ideas and allows us to think about what technology is good at and what not. And one of the key issues, of course, will be the ethical part of technology. Like, technology is morally neutral until we use it, William Gibson. Right? Tim Cook, who says technology can do great things, but it does not want to do great things, it doesn't want anything. If we want technology to do great things, it's our job. Right? It's our job of our, of our politicians, our governments, of the commission, of, and of course of us personally, to make sure that it remains good. And are we currently doing that? Well, not really. Well, we, we have let technology ride roughshod over so many issues. On the other hand, technology has brought, of course, the key to sustainability uh, and to the decarbonization of the world. And, and that's going to be hundreds of millions of new jobs right there. So this is a blessing. Uh, in the end, the real thing is that technology is going to be there and we have all the tools we need. But will we have the telos, the Greek word, the wisdom? That's what we need. And we need to work both on the tech and on the telos, on the wisdom. And, and that's going to be a fundamental task for government because in the end this is a government task. Right? Uh, and it is of course also our personal task to make sure that technology remains positive and not to prescribe to this crazy idea that we're going to become exponential like technology. Moore's law does not apply to us. And we're, we're making progress, right? We're linear and we're organic and we're living longer and doing better for the most part. But technology is now at the pivot point, 4, 8, 16, 32, and it's going to explode with intelligence. And, and, and you know, in the end, that is kind of like, okay, we have to make that work because nature is cyclical. It goes up, it crashes. We've seen that before. And we have to deal with all of that. And so that we're going to require a lot of wisdom to make sure that this future is going to hold good things for us. Controlling technology, dealing with the environment. Right? setting our priorities away from profit and growth. You know, if you're looking at other charts like this, 
There is the, uh, the, the capital gains that we have on a global level, the money gains you know, going up and up and up. And the human gains, are, human capital are kind of growing a little bit. But the natural capital, the earth, right, is, is just completely vanishing. And you have to ask the question of how do you intend to do good, good business when the, the planet is a shamble, when the, when, the, when the planet is falling apart. That, that's, that, that's not a good business model. Right? So definitely something you want to think about. And also one of the key issues here is that while many people are afraid of technology, of course, and, and kind of taken over based on Hollywood, Hollywood tells us, you know, dystopian Netflix, Hollywood, Bollywood, Nollywood scenarios, right? The biggest problem is not the machines will take over and kill us. The biggest problem is that we become too much like them. That we start thinking like machines, that we treat others like machines, that we ignore all the things that make us human, that we are looking to function. And technology will just beat us hands down at function. If you work like a robot, you will, ne you will lose your job. If you learn like a robot, you'll never have a job to begin with. The robot will take your job. That's something we have to think about. We have to be more human, not less human. We have to move in this direction of creating a more holistic future, the good future, as I call it, with these three uh, future principles, as I like to call them, a holistic business models that work for everybody, for everybody. Uh, in, in, the, uh, in the ecosystem. So basically looking at people, planet, purpose, uh, coming up with holistic models that benefit everybody, that are available to everybody. In the circular economy, which is becoming a default now in 10 years, all companies will be circular and also re regenerative or they won't exist. And with human benefit. So not the benefit just, just stock market and, and uh, gains and, and financial benefit, but human. You know? That means emotional, spiritual, and otherwise benefit to people and to planet in that combination of the three things. So this is a new paradigm of the future, people, planet, purpose and prosperity. Uh, a, way, a new way of looking at the stock market also, we're seeing already the long-term stock exchange in San Francisco and of course 20 years ago, Elkington, right, people, planet, profit, same concept. I'm just enlarging it to include purpose because I think it's really important to think about purpose. The question of why are we doing this, not that we can do it, and now the technology is infinitely capable. In 10 years, we can upload our brain to the internet. Right? We can do what Elon Musk is suggesting. But should we? That's the question of why and of purpose. And the good future is not going to be, well, we're just going to do it because it's available, it looks like fun, and it makes a lot of money. You know, that's how we got to Facebook and social media. So we don't want to do that again. We have to put the human back inside. This is the most crucial thing, especially, first example, social media, rehumanizing social media, putting humans back to the work, getting rid of the algorithms at the crucial intersection, keep humans in the loop, right? pay for human workers to be human, to remain human, to fix that problem. Well, if that's going to happen with Facebook, time will tell, but in the meantime, I'm off Facebook. I think we're looking at a, a scenario a lot like in the 15th century, Leonardo da Vinci and the Vitruvian man, I call this the Neoluvian man, surrounded by technology and the Neoluvian woman, of course, eh? surrounded by technology. Now we have to make a path forward. We have to decide on what we want, not just on what we can have. We can have all that cool stuff, but do you really want to become a machine? Is that the good future, is to become superhuman, to become a, like God, so to speak? Is that the good future? I think we need to think about this a little bit more, and we need to hit that button, the rehumanizing button, and say, okay, if we want a good future, we must fix our environmental issues, our climate change problem, our decarbonization 
must proceed. We must think about artificial intelligence and what machines can do and what the future of our job is. We must think about using technology to improve our health care and to completely reboot that entire sector of pharma and medical. And uh, we must, in general, uh, go into a direction that balances all the power that we have with the purpose and what we want. Right? The good future is entirely possible, but we must dedicate our time to it. And we must have the collective benefit and the collective reason to get engaged. So I invite you for that discussion of the good future and you can see thegoodfuturefilm.com. Thanks very much for tuning in. See you on The Good Future. This is Gerd Leonhard, Futurist. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out my videos at gertube.com on YouTube.